0: Characters, events, and companies in this show, even those based on real entities, are entirely fictional and do not represent reality at all. And there's no implied messaging. There's no truth to anything portrayed in this show. (laughs) To believe otherwise, well, that'd make me think you were gonna give me hell, George. And I ain't got no family but you, George, so please... Don't make us liable. Stay skeptical of all artistic material and do not treat it as educational, or else I'll choke you to death, you little bitch. <laughs> and that's not sexist. I'm literally talking about dogs, you dumb cunt.
1: Previously on Hooters Juniors.
2: Case of Trudy County versus host, hosting the number one podcast. What is the total guilty party plead? Not guilty. Host killed Durgan McFlyrgstang. I am Durgan McFlyrgstang. Durgan, what's happening? It's Australia, host. It's all come down to this. The final battle. The season finale.
1: You're listening to Hooters Juniors. The Durgan McFlyrgstang Story. From Sad Picture Productions. your host host episode 10 part 1 of mice and children host oh hey child soldier what do you need
3: host we caught one caught what we caught a criminal having a smoke over by the trenches
1: wait what yeah
3: we caged him up but we need you to interrogate him.
1: Kids, kids, I'm a little busy at the moment. Can't you integrate him yourself?
3: No, host. All we know how to do is cook, and, well now, murder and drink.
1: Ah, yes, (laughs) the blood of Christ. Uh, Okay, okay, I'll take care of it. Where's the servo at? Servo, that's a word they say, right?
3: Over here, host. (sighs) Take that and incorporate it into your universal healthcare. (laughs) Yeah! You like having a Great Barrier Reef? Well, how about this Great Barrier between ethical and non-ethical depictions of warfare? Kids,
1: settle down. We might not value him as human. Host? Yeah?
3: We might not value him as human,
1: but... Go on, kids. Scram. Y- you've got work to do and liquor to drink. I I can handle it from here.
3: Host, I never trusted no foreigner, except for the ones I do like you and Durg... But I ain't about to start trusting no foreigners! Yeah, me neither. I ain't about no progress or furthering my abilities to understand different cultures that result in the changing of my world views. I don't like change!
1: Alright, you can stay. But don't expect any promotions. I might not value you as human.
3: Yeah, we know.
1: I knelt down next to the cage and stared into the eyes of a monster. My xenophobia was off the charts. Alright, tell us what you're planning, you little servo.
2: Mate, you, you you don't know what that means, do you? Why would I tell you anything?
1: Because I could make your own personal bush a nightmare. Don't you know who I am? No. The name's Host. Not ringing a bell. Uh- Host? Host of the number one podcast? Leave a five-star written review? Mmm, no, mate. Host? Host of the number one podcast? Hooters Juniors? The Durgan McFlurgstang Story? Sorry. The show about the murder of Durgan McFlergstang? Where James Blake fucks? Where all Australians are criminals?
2: Oh, mate. Ringing a bell? No, but... Are you telling me you made a podcast where the whole joke is that all Australians are criminals? Well, uh, I mean... Like, the most overplayed joke about Australians? I- and the least creative one. Well, I don't think that's fair. Mate, there are so many other things to joke about. Like, uh, snakes? Oh my god. I mean, I, I thought I was pretty creative. Mate, uh, did you even brainstorm for this podcast? Or did you just go with the first joke that popped into your head? Well... Not exactly. Jesus, you bargain. Uh, Take a fucking improv class. or like, get a whiteboard and fill it out with ideas, at least. Uh, There are so many other legitimately funny jokes about Aussies. And like, yeah, the history's a little funny, ignoring all that, you know, stuff. But it's tiring to hear about the criminal stuff. All the damn time. Oh, jeez. Like, I'm right, right? I mean, is it really that overplayed?
1: Mate, even if it wasn't, it's not that good of a joke. Jeez, I'm feeling a little defeated already. And we haven't even started the war.
2: Listen, I don't care about this war. It's always the same, right? The poor fighting for the rich. If you let me out, I promise, I ain't gonna run. And we can go back over your script together. And this time, make real jokes about Australians that even Australians will laugh about. What do you say, you little ripper?
3: Host, I don't know about this. Yeah, I mean, his accent is so authentic. But is he? Kids, it's okay. Uh,
1: I think... I think he's actually right about this one.
2: (sighs) Let him out. See, I ain't gonna do nothing. Now let's take a look at that script. The name's Derek, by the way. Derek McCameron. And
1: so it was then that Derek McCameron and I went over the script for the podcast over the next six hours, brainstorming and rewriting some of the jokes that I thought had been classic, but turned out to be, well, Overused and kind of basic.
2: See? It's looking better already. Yeah, you know, Derek, I-I think you're actually right. I'm glad you think so. By the way, Could I get a stubby? Uh...
1: A beer, mate? Oh, yeah, (laughs) because all of you are alcoholics,
2: right? Oh, there you go, host, you're on a roll now. (laughs) You don't even need me. See? It was always inside of you. You just had to put a little effort towards it. Yeah,
3: I I guess you're right,
2: Derek. Oh, well, this has been fun, host. But, uh, listen, I'm gonna need your wallet. (laughs) Wait a minute. Durgan? Oh, damn it, Host. I almost got you, didn't me? But how did you... I don't know, Host. It, it wasn't even a hologram that time. Maybe you're just dumb. Oh. Well, I guess we should start on with this whole war scene, shouldn't we? Yeah, I I guess you're right. But, Durgan, did you mean what you said? Host, I don't mean anything that I say.
1: Oh, well, I guess that makes me feel better. Come
2: on, it's time for you to be the objective journalist you are. And give a war speech in order to hype up these kids before they all perish on the battlefield. Wait, me? Host, I've learned something about you over the last few weeks. Something I never thought I'd say about any American. You, Host, your crimes transcend borders. Your crimes belong in a microphone.
1: Wow, Durgan. I I never thought you'd think so highly
2: of me. It's like you're the father figure that I always... Host!
1: Get on stage before I use violence. Just like a real dad. Wait, what stage? It was then that I was faced with the realities of what our immediate future held. I gazed into the eyes of our war boys as they gazed back into mine, like a mirror. No one here had the answers, but all of us were completely sloshed, and pretty stoked about how cool we all looked in our militia outfits. As I had previously understood it, that was the whole point of being in a militia. The outfits. But now, we were going to be justified in looking totally rad. Especially Durgan and I, since our war outfits were literally made of child cooks. As in, we had duct taped several children to our bodies in order to protect ourselves from oncoming bullets. Yeah, totally rad. But this war wasn't only about our outfits being made from living beings. Now, I wouldn't have to spend ages trying to defend my self-defense against completely innocent bystanders. We had taken up arms to protect the 1%, This was basically like the Crusades. Totally righteous and built on firm, unshakable, realistic and accurate ideology. Yeah, just like the Crusades. Or I guess even Vietnam. Or the Iraq War. Or like Yemen. And all those other proxy wars that our tax dollars generally go towards. Yeah, totally sick and justifiable. And while I felt the fear coursing through my veins, I knew there was something else coursing through my veins too. Clear a lot of clear. Let me get some more clear. And in time, I'm sure the history books would be written by us, and that it would tell the story about what was to happen here today. Unless we all died, I guess. But even if we did die, I knew that my podcast would get a lot of hype from this. I had never understood legacy before, but now that I was putting it all out on the line, I realized something. My podcast, this podcast, the number one podcast was never about being number one it was number one but that was because of who I was me so basically I wasn't just the host of a number one podcast I was the number one host of all podcasts and if I died today I would die happy knowing that no other host of a podcast would ever come close to being as number one as I was and that's when I decided I would stop this monologue to go on to another monologue. Hey everyone, it's me, Host.
2: Yeah, fuck you, Host, I love you! I'll kill myself for you, Host! I'll kill my whole family for you, Host! 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 host, host.
1: Thanks, everybody. You know, when I started doing an inner monologue just prior to speaking, which I of course recorded while I was standing on stage, but didn't really acknowledge any of you in, I realized something. We all totally look fucking sick. And that's not just the clear-speaking. I don't think I've ever seen pictures of child soldiers looking so goddamn rad. Like, totally rad. Especially while snorting gunpowder clear. And the adults, too. The few of you who are left after surviving forced Medicare equally look pretty gosh darn rad.
3: Yeah, we do!
1: Listen. I know I'm not from your town, and that you all generally hate outsiders,
2: ESPECIALLY IF THEY'RE HOMOPHOBIC! YEAH FUCK YOU, RANDY! Oh, man.
1: But you all welcomed me with open arms when I tried to exploit your emotions, grief, and literal tears over the death of your town savant, Durgan McFlergstang. The first time he died, that is. And it really looked like I was gonna win the fuck out of that court case thanks to y'all. If Durgan hadn't taken over the body and mind of Lockheed Martin and murdered the majority of the courtroom and proved my innocence. RIP, Lockheed. I loved you. Roast! No, that was mine! My- I still don't get it, but even though you're all so illiterate, and dumb, and alcoholic, and not worth my time, and will never amount to anything, you know, just like how all people from small towns in America are, you taught me something about myself. Something I'll never forget. You taught me about Purple Mattress. Purple Mattress, the mattress that adapts to your pressure points, stays perfectly cool, and prevents motion transfer. Find a perfect mattress with a click of a button online at purple.com and save 50% today with promo code WAGY. That's promo code WAGY at purple.com. But you guys taught me a lot of other stuff too. Stuff about myself. I've never really talked about it, But before this investigation started, my life wasn't what you might think the host of a number one podcast life would be like. Sure, I was pretty rich, and lived on the top floor of a high-rise building in New York City. And yeah, I was married, and had tons of side pieces. And totally, I had a lot of power over people. And of course, I was super happy, and definitely, I had balls so big they hurt. And well, yeah, also, people pretty much thought I was a god. And sometimes, even the homeless would give me money because they thought I deserved it more than they did, which I did. Uh,
2: you might want to tune it down a
1: little. But when those goddamn pseudo-doctors from BetterHelp.com, which I will take money from, but not show my support for, because therapy is for weak-minded scum thugs who should be criminalized for not burying their traumas and illness, when they said that I, me, the number one host, Of the number one podcast had brain worms? Oh, let me tell you. I wish we had started this war right then, because if I had an army of child soldiers behind me Durgen, what? Stuvalek, it's done. Move on. Oh, yeah. Um, uh as I was saying, I wouldn't want to be here with anyone else today. And while I don't think highly of any of you, other than Durgen, of course, I know your bodies will stop the oncoming bullets. You know. As I was saying my speech, I decided that another inner monologue would be appropriate, because I felt like I was making a real difference here. I was convincing children, small, frail, illiterate, drunk, poor little children, that they should give up whatever little comforts they had left in the kitchen locked behind a steel door to fight in a war that would ultimately lead to their deaths. I questioned the validity of my previous monologue and the one I was currently giving, Was I really this important now, to be a war peddler? I didn't think I'd ever get into politics, but I knew I would bank off this. I was gonna be so rich after this war, but at what cost? No costs, because the kids would keep cooking no matter what. And no matter how many kids died, there'd always be more. And Durgan? Well, Durgan had the connections I needed. That was the basis of our friendship. I mean, I also totally loved him. But that love wouldn't be there without a transaction, in which I would highly benefit from, but at what costs? Again, no- And while I was doing a monologue within a monologue, I started to monologue. I thought to myself, I love shooting up, railing, and smoking actual crystal meth. That's what I mean whenever I say I'm doing clear. Like, to be clear, clear, is crystal methamphetamine. Anyway, I felt like- You, uh, you done, host? Ready to get back to the speech? Oh, yeah, sorry everybody. Just had to do another inner monologue within a monologue within this monologue. Anyway, I look into this crowd, and I see the future, and the past. But mostly, the present. Because we're technically in that now. I see Dan, who helped rid me of my skin suit made from Jared and taught me the ways of being so poor and drunk you have to live off the grid. I see Pastor McGrath of the Lord and his new flock of sheep, ready to sacrifice themselves for this town, or whatever they believe in. I see Lawyer McLawface, brought into battle against his will, ready to fight for us, and Dr. McMalpractice and Mr. Bottomfeeder, who I thought I had both killed, and Shoppy McShopkeepy, and Officer McCorviday, and Jensen, and Mr. and Mrs. Binge Drinky, and Mr. McClimaty, and Mistress Number Seven and Eight from the funeral, and all those bounty hunters who captured me, and the judge from my trial, and all the staff from Horsewell Vodka, and the waitresses from Hooters Juniors, and the child cooks from Hooters Juniors, and James Blake, who's just here to fuck, and Randy off in the distance since he's not allowed into town because all of you are homophobic phobics. A- and I see all the rest of the townsfolk and child soldiers, and I-, I thank you all for being here today. You know, we've lost a lot of good people along the way Jared, Dahmer, the man from the future. McAdderall Methylone Nitrate, who is really just a metaphor for the drugs in Durgan's life, and all the proud grown boys who, I'm pretty sure were Nazis, but I I guess it's maybe a loss or a loss of excessive force that we could have used, and Officer Acab, and I think assistant reporter is still in jail or whatever, and of course, Lockheed Martin, RIP Lockheed. God damn it, host. And there's probably a few other characters who I just don't care enough about, but I know that if they were here with us today, They'd want us to commit violent genocide against the Medicare-forcing, socialist, authoritarian, anarchist, fascist, communist, stateless-so-stateless, mental health-loving Australians. Yeah, I bet they would. But more importantly, who is here today is iHeartRadio, who will be streaming music and podcasts for the entirety of the battle, where over 9,000 children are projected to die. All thanks to them. Uh, but who's also here today? is someone who will directly impact how this battle will turn out. It's somebody we all love, we all respect, and is the best clear hookup in all of North America, if not the Earth and the Moon. I present our next speaker, Durgan McFlergstang.
3: I love you,
2: Durgan! I'll double kill my family for you!
3: Be my dad, Durgan! I don't have one anymore thanks to your labor practice!
2: Thanks, you bogans. You know, I was born in the old AU. Lived it me whole life until it wasn't me whole life. Could never really get away from it though. That's why I came to this town. Cause I knew I could violence my way into your hearts. And I know this is different from how the rest of me dialogue been. Hell, most of me dialogue's been pretty shallow. Surface level, like I ain't spoke from the heart. But I mean it when I say, we'll get through this and you'll get back to work or else. You know, my mom was a bird with literal claws, and me dad, well he ain't much around now. <laughs> Supreme McBitey was more of a dad to me than my own dead dad ever done was. Hell, Supreme McBitey bit his way into my heart and I for a long time. Never thought I'd leave no big AU. That was, until I learned of your plutocratic late-stage capitalist system that I could take advantage of. As well as, how dumb and poor most of you were. But like I always say, Can't judge me if I ain't been judged, yes? And that's the truth, ain't it? Listen, we're not fighting this war for no past or present challenges. We're fighting this for future challenges. The future challenges I will create. Because if we win this war, say goodbye to any kind of safety nets. Financial or physical. Cause I'm about to outdo the hell out of Foxconn. Ain't gonna be no food banks or food stamps. Ain't gonna be no Medicare. Your working conditions will get much worse, and I'll be doing it just for fun, because I certainly don't need the money. If we get through this, you'll all be working in the most obscene and degrading ways possible. You think your jobs are bad now? <laughs> just you wait. You think I'm a monster now? Oh, Hey, Host! Host! Assistant
1: Reporter! You finally escaped that prison! The, the Australian one, not the totally justified and morally superior one you were placed in during the trial.
0: Uh, yeah, I got out of the jail in viscous after you were exonerated, but I- I'm just on vacation, Host. I-, I still really like Seattle. Oh, I see. You're still brainwashed. Is, uh... My name's Cameron. Yeah, is he brainwashed too? No, Steve actually wanted to come fight for you, but, uh, Host, could I talk to you for a minute? Yeah, sure. I guess.
1: The deep green pool of the viscous river was still in the late afternoon. Already the sun had left the valley to go climbing up the slopes of the rocky mountains, and the hilltops of Turgid County were rosy in the sun. But by the pool among the mottled aspens, pleasant shade had fallen. A far rush of wind sounded, and a gut drove through the tops of the trees like a wave. The aspen leaves turned up their yellow sides. The brown dry leaves on the ground scudded a few feet and row on row of tiny wind waves flowed up the pool's green surface. As quickly as it had come, the wind died, and the clearing was quiet again. We walked past the brush, beside the pool, moving as silently as a creeping bear moves. Assistant reporter then
0: spoke. Listen, host, I I know we've drifted apart over the past few months, ever since we went to the re-education camp. The prison, you mean? Yeah. Sure, I know that our relationship has become stagnant, or has been deteriorating. But I want you to know, I've always been here for you. I've never not been your assistant reporter. I appreciate that, assistant reporter. But I think you need to reconsider what you're doing here. The Australians don't want a war, they just want free healthcare for everybody. They want fair wages, equality, animal rights, social justice, a, a society without unjust hierarchies, or authority, uh, where all who breathe air, no matter what class, gender, race, nationality, or sexuality, have the same opportunities for living a healthy life free of oppression. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I bet they do.
0: The only reason the Australians came here in the first place is that they saw a problem and wanted to fix it. It wasn't an action motivated by an imperialist mindset. They saw society suffering and wanted to help. Yeah, tell that to Durgan. Host, I know you love Durgan. I I do too. But I think he's misguided. Money's changed Durgan. I went to Australia too, you know. I I saw Supreme McBitey. I I saw the dingoes carrying away corpses. I received free healthcare abroad for no charge. You scab! I understand why Durgan believes in what he believes, and and I'm not here to coerce you into anything. I I believe in free will. That's why I brought my name's Cameron, I I mean Steve, even though I don't agree with him. But I'm begging you, don't do this. Don't let a man who's let money infiltrate his mind and destroy his morality and shift his ethical principles dictate who you are, who you become.
1: I guess they really shoved that propaganda so far down your throat. You're gonna be constipated for the rest of your life, aren't ya? Host, can I show you something? Sure, but I'll caution you. You're wasting your time, assistant reporter. If you really want to fight for what you believe in, change sides so I can blow your
0: brains out. Host, you see this empty land in front of us? Yeah? I bought it from Durgan. What? I spent five years' salary of what you paid me in order to purchase this land from Durgan. Wait, what? Why? Because, Host, uh, I thought we could start a life here. You really seemed to enjoy your time in Viscous. It brought out the best in you. And I thought... we could start a farm here. We could start over. If you took therapy seriously. If you gave therapy a real chance. But they said
1: I had brainworms.
0: Host, I know you ain't bad, but I think you need help. betterhelp.com. I know their services are amazing. Assistant reporter,
1: but it's it's a lie. And I ain't got no brainworms. I ain't never had
0: brainworms. And if you think I do, you ain't never raised a hand to me, host, except for all those times you did. You're nice to me. You ain't never been mean. A- again, except for all those times you were. I don't care whether or not you have brainworms, but I'm scared, host. You ain't gonna leave me, are ya, host? No, AR. I knowed it, and you ain't that kind. And thanks for abbreviating my name, it fits the tone of this scene much more. Host? Yeah, assistant reporter? Ain't you gonna give me hell? Give ya hell? Sure, like you always done before for suggesting therapy and the likes. Like, if I didn't give you the best damn reporting, you'd- No, assistant reporter. I ain't gonna give you hell. Well, I can go away. I'll go right off into the hills and find a cave and stay away from the Australians if you want me. Uh, Unless you're ready to go to therapy. No, Assistant Reporter. I want you to stay with me here. Guys like us got no family. They make a little stake and then blow it on clear. They ain't got nobody in the world that gives a hoot in hell about them. But not us. Tell about us now. Assistant Reporter went quiet for a moment. But not us, he said. Because... Because I got you, and... And I got you. We got each other. And wages. That's what. That gives a hoot in hell about us. The little evening
1: breeze blew over the clearing, and the leaves rustled, and the wind waves flowed up the green pool, and the shouts of child soldiers cheering sounded again, this time much louder than before. My clear high was weaning. Take off your hat, assistant reporter. The breeze feels nice.
0: We're going to get a little place, right out there, on that land I bought. Go on, A.R. Go on? How's it going to be? We're going to get a little place?
1: We'll have a cow, and we'll maybe have a a pig and chickens. And down the flat, we'll have a uh, little piece alfalfa.
0: For the rabbits? For the rabbits. (laughs) And I get to tend to the rabbits. And you get to tend to the rabbits. (laughs) And we'll plagiarize the shit
1: out of Steinbeck. And we'll plagiarize the shit out of Steinbeck. (laughs) And live off the fat of the land. Yeah, AR. Off the fat of the land. Once I go to therapy. Assistant reporter turned his head to me. No, AR. Look down there across the river. Like you can almost see the place. Or, Or I guess you can see it. Look at the place you bought. But imagine... What it'll look like in the future.
0: Look there. Assistant reporter obeyed me. Go on, host. When we gonna do it? When you gonna go to therapy? Gonna do it soon. Me and you. I mean, after you get therapized. You and me. After I go to
1: therapy. Everybody gonna be nice to you, except for me. Ain't gonna be no more trouble from Australia. Nobody gonna hurt nobody nor steal their clear. I thought you was mad at me, host. No, Lenny, I I mean assistant reporter. I ain't mad. I never been mad. And I ain't now. That's a thing I want you to know. The crowd's cheers grew louder. My head got
0: clearer. Let's do it now. Let's move into that land now. You could start getting therapy right now, right? With BetterHelp that has counselors available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Sure. Right
1: now, I've got to, we've got to get better help. And that's when I pulled the trigger. The crash of the shot rolled up the hills and rolled down again. Assistant reporter jarred and then settled slowly forward to the sand, and he lay without quivering. The brush seemed filled with cries, and with the sound of cheering looming louder and louder in the distance, I stood and made my way towards the main stage. I had spent so much time justifying how this war would result in the death of thousands of child soldiers, but I had never considered what war would mean for the people that I actually cared about, that I considered human. All I knew was, I was not going to therapy. It is
2: why all of you are incredibly supportive of fighting this war for me. It's not about me, it's about me. And also, you in some kind of other way <laughs> and we're gonna win it even if most of you die now let's get ready things about to get rooted real quick let me tell you <laughs> bad to look good on all of us yeah fuck
0: you derging <laughs> yeah,
2: boy hey host where'd you run off to i had to i had
1: to take care of something host <laughs>
2: Oh, it's okay, host. Warfare's never a good thing. Except for me. <laughs> it's really good for me.
1: Sister reporter, he, he... he...
2: Oh, he, he dead, ain't he? <laughs> well, if it's any consolation prize, win-win, he did leave everything he had to you in his will. What? Yes. Before his death, he let me and his lawyers know that in the likely event of his death, he was leaving everything to you.
3: What? What was everything?
2: Post. You didn't know? Know what? Post. Assistant reporter. He invested wisely. He was in the 1% of the 1%. Meaning, you're now... Wait. In the 1%. What? Oh my god! (laughs) Wolves! Everybody calm down! What? No! The wolves will tear us apart! Not this time they won't! Oh my god... Indeed, House! You ain't just journalizing this war. Now, this war is for you, you little one percenter. I'm
1: rich? Again? Oh my
2: god! (laughs) Wait, but... But you just said the wolves wouldn't tear us apart. Yes, well, well that was all
1: hypothetical, uh, I think. Oh, my, oh, my God. Uh, I'm, I'm so, so, so fucking rich. Oh, my God. I'm gonna get like...
2: Listen, everybody, cal- calm down. I'm but the Durgan, these wolves clean. are gonna decimate <laughs> our and whole and army before we even start fighting. No, they, fight. I'm, I'm no they wait, everywhere. or or I guess they might, but listen, they, they listen to me because I handsomely paid them with the blood of workers. Wait, what? never wondered why there were so many wolves in the underground tunnels between Hooters Jr's and the Horseware Vodka Production Plant Facility Thing Place? (coughs) Listen, back to episode six. Wait, maybe five. Whenever it was explained that I always knew this was gonna happen, I knew the Australians would come here to take what's mine. You know, all of you. You're mine. And the town. The town is also mine. (laughs) I grew the wolves because I knew it was coming. And I... I am the alpha. Okay, okay, uh, maybe not the alpha, but, like, uh, I'm basically their daddy. Alright, alright, maybe, like, their best friend? Okay, okay, they're not, and that's a good sign. Can't ever expect nothing with these wolves. They're unhinged. I love it. I love wolves. So the wolves are, like, on... Our side? Yeah, well, sort of. Uh, I wouldn't get too close, but I sprayed all of me child workers with the pheromones from the AU population, and then used them as bait for the wolves to practice and hone their murder skills on. Because, I mean, workers, kids in general, I mean, (laughs) they're just so expendable. So, you've been breeding the wolves? That's why we have so many goddamn wolves in this town? Well, yes, and and you know what? I don't like your town. Whoa! Oh my god!
1: Ow! Any other questions? Oh I'm gonna talk down to every single person I meet. I- I'm gonna stop paying taxes. I'm gonna bribe politicians to bribe other politicians who will then bribe me. Then. Oh,
2: calm down. You're rich now. <laughs> that means you have to handle yourself with some class. And a whip. Since you can only get off now by being submissive. Uh, w- wait, what? Well, yeah. See, now that you dominate everybody in your life, you can't really get a stiffy unless... No, no.
1: Durgan... What's that? What? I stared off into the distance, past the trenches, to behind the defense wall we had built, where the Australians were gearing up. I was having trouble registering what I was seeing. It looked like... a hummingbird, with the abs and legs of... a kangaroo?
2: Oh, the chimeras.
1: Wait, but I thought I killed them all, or or that... That was a totally irrelevant side story, or whatever you want to call it kind of deal.
2: Oh, host, they're very dumb, <laughs> but also stupid. But... That big hole under the airport you saw in Episode 3, call back for listeners, that hole, ain't the only hole.
1: It... ain't the only
2: hole. That's how the IU took over so quick. They built plenty of holes, lemme tell ya. <laughs> holes that look good on them, but bad. What are you saying, Durgan? That's how the AU infiltrated so quickly, Host. A hole in every major city around the globe. Or at least in me America. A hole that went from here straight to the bush. Wait, like a hole through
1: the center of the Earth? gah
2: But, but what about- Haven't you learned to not trust science or question what I tell you about reality, Host? The AU built holes going from the AU to America straight through the center of the Earth. Maybe they went other places too. I don't know. Probably. But they built those holes and then traveled through them holes and set up super secret labs underground where they bred and trained chimeras to later fight for them in this war that we're having right now. And I knew they were gonna do that. And that's why I started breeding wolves and using kids as bait for training wolves. And so now the subplot or whatever about the chimeras underneath the Denver International Airport and the reason there was a big giant hall and a bunch of Australians and the reason there were so many wolves in viscous, especially in the underground tunnels, and why they attacked children, that's all now been explained. It was introduced early into the story, so early that many listeners probably forgot. Just like that taxi driver in the AU, which was me by the way. But those things were central without being acknowledged as something that would later be central to the plot and work towards a rising action and climax because it's a Chekhov's gun that's what that's called house if you knew how to write stories maybe you'd think about it or learn about it or d- just read a book sometime
3: oh okay
2: yeah so yeah i guess it's all been explained now okay and how are you also Lockheed? God damn it, Host. You know,
1: cause me and Lockheed had sex. Like, we we had this whole metaphor with a gun, and if you were Lockheed, then the whole thing about you finding my gun in the free gun pile and thinking it was mine kind of becomes less meaningful, and-
3: They've broken through the wall! Yes,
2: Everybody, take your positions! Durgan! Host, the final battle, the finale of season one, episode 10. Part 2, it's coming. I
1: don't know if I'm ready, Durgan.
2: You were born for this, host. Now get ready to go out there and exploit some violence.
1: I was... I was born for this?
2: Yeah, you were, Duvalac. Yeah, you were.
1: Hooters Jr.'s The Durgan Sang Story is a sad picture production. If you would like to support us or gain access to exclusive content, visit our Patreon at patreon.com slash hootersjuniors. That's patreon.com slash hootersjrs. To get in contact, send an email to me at hootersjuniors.com. Hooters Juniors is created, written, and edited by hosts, co-written by Cameron's Tax Guy, produced by Cameron's Tax Guy, and Trent C. Rollins. Executive producer Trapper D. McBlackfoot, voiced by host and a bunch of unnamed expendable wages. Fuck 'em. To learn more, visit hootersjuniors.com. Real truth is a crime.